That's what this place is. If this is your first time, that's what this place is. Every single Sunday, we get to gather as a family with our Father. That's why every Sunday is so special. And so we're glad you're here for that. If you're in the room, if you're joining us online, thank you for being with us. And uh, my name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. So glad that you are uh, leaning in for this moment. The songs, the word of God, and the prayer, and all of it matters to God and to your life with God. And so we're so glad you're here. Hey, I want to invite you again to these Connect events that are coming up. All the details are on our website. You can sign up for those men's, women, church-wide. But these are more than just fun times that we want to have. These are formative times that we're praying for as a church. Uh, I don't know, some of you who are new may not know this. We used to do things like that, (laughs) like get everybody together to connect, like get everybody together in this building for a study during the week to disciple you. And COVID just threw a lot of that off. And so I'm so glad we're able to get back to that. And I know for me, one of the most transformative things in my life uh, wasn't vertically in my relationship with God. First, it was horizontally with somebody else. And some of you have been there, right? Uh, That person who walked across the room at a connect night at at a thing and said, hello, how's it going? Hey, can we hang out? And my life was changed for eternity in college because of that. And so if you're thinking, I don't know if I'll come, I got some things going on, you need to come to this. It's not just a fun time, it's a formative time. So I wanna invite you to that. And so glad to get everybody together along that same vein on May 23rd for one service at 10 a.m. over the summer. And what Sarah failed to mention is to celebrate that day, we're bringing something back. We're bringing back coffee and donuts. Come on, somebody. Yeah, we had one family, uh, one of our key leaders in our church, uh, full disclosure, they would get donuts every morning for their kids because we didn't have them at church anymore. So I'm so glad we can save you guys some money. Maybe they're sitting over there over the next few months. Uh, So glad to get everybody together. Mark that on your calendar, May 23rd. We're gonna worship all together as a church family for the rest of the summer. And the last thing is happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to the moms in the room, to the ones that are watching at home. We have uh, some brand new moms who just had a baby last week watching online. Happy Mother's Day to you. And um, yeah, you can clap for our moms. We can't clap enough for them. But uh, I was watching with my wife in light of Mother's Day, this viral video that some of you may have seen where this guy's on Zoom calls and he's interviewing people under a vague job description like uh, director of operations. But it's actually just describing what a mom does. Have you seen this video? Right, he's on these different little interviews and he's describing this job and they don't know it's a mom yet. And uh, he says some things like, you know, you're gonna have to, to stand up on your feet for like 135 hours a week. And you're gonna get to eat, but only after your associates have eaten. <laughs> and actually there's no days off for this job. In fact, it ramps up around the holidays. And one of my, one of my best, uh, one of the best responses, most funny responses was when one lady's listening to all that and she's like, is that legal? And the guy's just like, oh yeah, it is. And she just continues with the interview, right? Uh, but we laugh and it's so funny, but the reality is if you paid moms for all that they did, you would pay them like a billion dollars a year, amen? I mean, they do so much, irreplaceable, unique, privileged roles, significant roles. And uh, we're just so thankful for you. And so the reality is today's a celebration. But also know today's a day of sorrow for many. Uh, For some of you who wanna be moms but have had miscarriages and it hasn't happened yet. For some of you who are moms and just struggle with infertility, period. And you you might never be a mom in that 
in that way for some of you who have lost a mom and today reminds you of that loss. And so I know today's a day of mixed emotions, a day of celebration, but also sorrow. And so I want to pray over you as as moms, really all the women who are watching this online, all the women who are in the room, honor you, remind you. We're, We're not all parents in this room, but all of us are kids who have a perfect dad. And so that's your identity at the end of the day. That's what we want to celebrate. That's what we want to pray into as we get into God's words. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I do thank you that of all the imagery in the Bible you could give us, you gave us that imagery of yourself as father. And God, we can know without a shadow of a doubt whether we have women in the room who are moms or hoping to become a mom or not even married yet and wondering if that will even happen, that ultimately at the end of the day when they lay their head on their pillow at night, they are known first and foremost as a child of the father. And you love them unconditionally right where they are. And God, I thank you that that's true for everybody in here who's placed their faith in Jesus. And God, I pray if it's not true for them yet, that they would place their faith in Jesus by the end of this day and we could celebrate that that is true for them as well. God, I pray as we look at your word now, God, for all of us, moms, men, women, kids, that you would open up our eyes and ears to your word, that you would soften our minds, soften our hearts, sharpen our minds, help us to not just hear what you have to say, but to do it. God, we need your help to do all of that. We pray for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, this week I had the opportunity to spend uh, uh, some time with my best friend from college. He was the best man at my wedding, and he came into town, and we used to hang out once every year, and we haven't done that in several years, so this was a really special time for him to come into town. And, and I don't know about you, but anytime somebody comes into Arizona, we like to show them Arizona. And what I mean by that is not the, the dirty uh, cactus, like brown Arizona, but all the hidden gems in Arizona, like Flagstaff and Payson and Sedona. And so we did that with my friend uh, from college, and we took him to Sedona. We took him to hike Devil's Bridge Trail. And so my wife and I took my friend to do that, and he's not a hiker. And so we had to convince him, hey, this isn't really like a brutal hike. It's just a trail. And we looked on All Trails app, and it was like 1.8 miles round trip. Like, we got this. It's not a big deal. And so we headed up to Sedona. We convinced my buddy. And we start out on this hike. Now, here's what you need to know. We kind of, we didn't really do our research. We just found a parking lot and parked. We just found a trail and jumped on it. We didn't really look into it. And and as we're going along, it was fine for a little while. We brought my little dog, Lincoln, golden retriever, seven-month-old, really cute. And we're seeing all these people, and they're like wanting to pet Lincoln. This one time, I kid you not, there was this group of 15 women all together. And all of them in unison said, aww. And my dog just like leaned up against all of them while they passed by like an assembly line and petted him, right? And everything was going like that for a while. And then we start to realize it's getting hotter. This trail is getting longer and steeper. And my dog is even struggling a little bit. Every shade tree he could find, he's nestling up under that shade tree. We're giving him our water so he can survive the hike. And my buddy, Marshall, is whining, Guys, I thought this was 1.8 miles. We've already walked 1.8 miles and we're not even there yet, right? Now, we made it. He was fine. Our dog was fine. We made the hike. But but what does that tell us? It it is really significant which way you go on a hike, right? 
There were multiple trails, multiple parking lots. It's really significant which way you choose. That's for a hike. It's even more significant in life. And so last week, we started this series, Which Way, a study in the book of Proverbs, and we laid out this foundation of, of Proverbs that really there's two primary paths and ways we can go in life. There's a, a path of wisdom, there's a path of folly. And many times, we don't think that way. We, we kind of think about individual, isolated decisions in a vacuum. I'm just going to click here, send this text, speak this word, make this decision about my finances, and we just kind of see those as isolated decisions, but the reality is that every decision affects our destiny. Every practice puts us on a path, and that's what the book of Proverbs is going to tell us. And so if you missed that sermon, go back and watch it on YouTube, listen to it on the website because we talked about this, this first, first decision we have to make of which way is wisdom or folly. And then the rest of the series, we're talking about specific aspects on those paths. And today we're talking about family and parenting and, and kids. And, and what does that look like? Which way do we go in this, in this complex thing we call family? And so I'd love for you to meet me in God's word. Proverbs chapter six is where we're gonna be. Pull it out in front of you if you're at home. Uh, get with the kids, pull it out in front of them as well and look along with me. Proverbs chapter six, verses 20 through 22. I'm gonna read it and then we're gonna break it down. It says this, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. As we talk about family and parenting, there's a couple ways that can go. Here's the first thing we see is we need to go the way of a team effort, not a solo project. Team effort, not a solo project. Verse 20, you see it, both father and mother. Dads, I gotta say this right off the bat. If you are taking care of your kids on a Tuesday night and your buddies ask you to go do something and you say to them, I can't, I'm babysitting, they're not. They're your kids. <laughs> that's not babysitting, that's parenting, Right? It's a, it's, a, it's a community project. It's a team effort. There's a father and there's a mother. And some of you who are single moms or single dads are saying, well, that must be nice. I would love that. But the reality is even for our, our married couples and when both spouses, father and mother in their home, it's a team effort beyond them for them as well. Just like it is for a single mom and a single dad. The reality is it takes a family to raise a family. It takes extended family it takes a church family. See, here's what's so beautiful about the church is that as I look out on this congregation, I'm not just looking at acquaintances. I'm not even just looking at friends. I'm looking at family. That you are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what this is. So it takes a family to raise a family. If you're a single mom or dad, if you're a married couple, it takes a family to raise a family. It, it's a community effort. It's a, a team project that goes into this. And we have to remember that parents, both of you have instrumental roles to play. Church family, all of you have instrumental roles to play in the, 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 the lives of the kids that are in your lives. 
And sometimes we forget that. In fact, some of you who are single or don't have kids yet, you're like, okay, parenting sermon. I'm going to go ahead and check out on that one. Go ahead and text my mom, happy Mother's Day. No, you can't check out. We need you. Like, have you ever talked to a parent? They need you. They're tired. And this is a a team effort, not a solo project. Uh, As I read this week, the Fuller Youth Institute said this, that roughly 50% of students after they graduate from high school will walk away from the church. They grew up in church, high school happens, graduation happens, and then they walk away from the church. As I talk to youth pastors, college pastors, they say this is true experientially. And the reality is this, every single day, there's a battle for the kids in our lives. There's a battle for their soul. And so we don't just need a family, we need an army that's fighting for the kids in our lives. Whether you're an uncle, aunt, father, mother, church member, we need to be fighting for our kids. They are facing, particularly over this last year as a dad of three kids, they are facing things I never had to face. Pandemic, polarization, pronouns. They are facing all kinds of things in 2021. I remember when we first started uh, this school year and all the things that were the pandemic and online school and in-person school, my daughter, who went to kindergarten, started kindergarten on a screen next to her bed, online school, right? And I remember every single day she would wake up in tears saying, Daddy, I hate kindergarten. And I had to tell her, baby girl, this isn't kindergarten. (laughs) I don't know what this is, but this is not kindergarten, I have a, my oldest daughter on Wednesday, she turns 12. Y'all pray for me, right? Preteen. And the things that she's hearing at school and the, the things that she's navigating. Listen, my kid goes to public school. I'm not saying get into a, a holy uh, bubble and make sure that, but I'm just saying this is the reality that they're facing. And so more than ever, if it took a family to raise a family back in the day, if it took an army, which it always did, to raise a family back in the day, it takes that for sure today, amen? And more than ever, all of us need to be putting our hands in and saying, yeah, what can we do? How can we fight for the souls of the next generation? How can we point them to Jesus? How can we be the loudest voice in their lives as all these competing voices are in their lives every single moment, telling them who they are, telling them about their image on Instagram? How can we be the loudest voices in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit in their lives? This is something worth fighting for for everyone. It's a team effort. It's not a solo project. Dads, moms, aunts, uncles, church members, everybody included. It's a team effort. So what is the effort consisting of? Right, there's different efforts in our society towards kids. Right, there's the effort of making sure you form that kid into a scholarship athlete or an academic all-star. Right? Sometimes I can be guilty of that, Right? at a baseball field with my kid, hypothetically, yesterday, right? And we got to form them into these scholarship athletes, and they got to be academic all-stars. That's one of the ways we can go with investing in the kids in our lives. Another way we can go is just making sure they're good kids, making sure they, they don't embarrass you in the grocery store. Come on, parents. Right? It's just a baseline. If they can just not embarrass me in front of my friends at the grocery store, like, then that, like, that's the effort, that's the team effort we're going after, And then for some of us, another way is, hey, we just want to be our kids' buddies. I mean, I just want them to like me. I just want to get them everything they want. 
And that's another way we could go. Which way do we go with kids and family, investing into kids in our lives? Which way do we go? The scripture tells us, Proverbs chapter 6, it says, verse 22, the father's commandment, the mother's teaching. And now when you see that commandments and teaching, some of us might think, well, that's kind of like to get them to be a, a good moral kid, right? It's, it's giving them knowledge. But you got to remember the whole theme of Proverbs, we talked about it last week, we see it in chapter one of the book, is to know wisdom. So as we see commandments and teaching, that's part of this overarching goal of imparting wisdom. What's fascinating about the book of Proverbs is that much of it is written from a father or a mother to a son, trying to impart this wisdom. So it's commandments, it's teaching, it's imparting wisdom. All the other different ways we can go as parents, all the different ways we can go as a church family, investing into families. Which way do we go? We impart wisdom. Now, what's so special about wisdom? Well, two things, and we see it in the text. Wisdom brings a lasting impact. Notice the language. It binds, it ties, always. There's a lasting impact that other things, the way you form them into a scholarship athlete, that will fade. Imparting wisdom to them will never fade. And my buddy who was in town last weekend played soccer all growing up, played soccer in high school, and was a great soccer player. We got out in my backyard. I have a little soccer goal in my backyard for my son. We got out in my backyard, and he said, Tim, I haven't kicked a soccer ball in 10 years. Now, as important as that was, and it was great that they won games, and great sports teach a lot of skills to kids. It was great. Hadn't kicked a ball in 10 years. But the wisdom that he learned from his parents, from his church growing up, helped him choose a spouse. Helped him stay married to that spouse. Helped him today, he has three kids who, who know Jesus. That's what binds, ties around our neck. That's what stays with us. The proverb says, always. It has a lasting, why wisdom? It has a lasting impact. Remember, wisdom is the skill of living it's not just the acquisition of knowledge. It's the application of it. It's not just knowing about wood or, or ships. It's about making a dining table out of the wood. It's about sailing that ship across the ocean. We are to impart wisdom, the skill of living into our kids, and that never leaves them. And as great as it is, if they're on the honor roll, that can only teach them. That can only stay with them so long, like chemistry class, the carbon chain method, I took organic chem in college. I am clueless. When my daughter brings her sixth grade math in front of me, I am going straight to Google, right? It didn't stick. Sorry, teachers. It's important, but it didn't stick always. Wisdom, the skill of living, how do you weave through life? That sticks more than in a classroom. You have the opportunity as parents, as church members, to impart wisdom, something that will stay with them for the rest of their lives. Not just how to make money, but how to live a life of generosity, impacting others. This is the opportunity before us. We can impart wisdom. It has a lasting impact. The second thing is it gives us unique access. We have unique access to give them. Notice it says in the text, as they walk, as they lie down, as they are awake. Every part of life. Right? Who has access to all of those moments? Walking, lying down, being awake. A parent. Right? You're with them all the time. 
right? Even as important as it is a community effort, we are the army fighting for your kids as a church family. Even as important as that is, like for me, just as the pastor, I get maybe one hour with your kids. You get 167. And so you have unique access to give them this lasting impact of wisdom. And so we need to see it that way as parents. We need to take that opportunity as parents. And so what do we do? What does this look like practically? Look at verse 22. It gives, us, it gives it to us. It says, to lead, watch over, and talk with. So over our last few minutes, I just want to break those three things down. To lead, to watch over, and talk with. First, to lead. Ephesians says this, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Proverbs 22 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. You have to lead a kid. The, the way of parenting that's just their buddy and their friend, and gets them all the things, that's not, that's not what you're called to do. You're called to impart wisdom by leading your kid. And here's the reality. All of us are leading the kids in our lives. Like even just you who are church members, you're just like, I don't have kids, the pressure's off me. No, our kids see the way you talk to one another. Our kids, get this, see the way you post about one another online. Anybody convicted? Our kids see that. You are leading them. The question is, where? Where are you leading them? Are you leading them to a divisive, polarizing culture that fits your party or your side? Is that where you're leading them? Are you leading them to just, hey, just be good. Just don't cuss. <laughs> hey, just don't, don't, can you, don't say that. Are you leading them to just a moralistic behavior? Are you leading them to the wisdom of God? Are you leading them to Jesus? Listen, the best place you can ever lead your kids, not place, the best person you can ever lead your kids to is Jesus Christ. That everything in your life, the sports, the school, the interactions, the behavior, the timeouts, whatever you do, that all of that should be leading them to Jesus. You are leading them. Where are you leading them? Are you leading them to Jesus? It is my prayer for our church and our church family and, our, and my kids themselves that we would be leading them to Jesus Christ, that we'd be praying them to know Jesus Christ, that we'd get to baptize them in these waters, declaring that they know Jesus Christ, that we could pray for them to marry a spouse who loves Jesus Christ, that, that one day they would grow up and begin to disciple others to know Jesus Christ. This is where we're leading our kids. This is the wisdom of God is seen most vividly in the life of Christ. And we want to point our kids to Christ. That's where we're leading them. And listen, some of this is just leading them not in perfection, but repentance. Some of you are thinking, okay, Tim, I'm supposed to lead them all over the place, and, and this is hard and exhausting, and, I don't, and some of you who don't have kids are like, I don't feel equipped for that. Like when a kid comes up and talks to me, I'm nervous, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know how to do that. Some of you as parents are like, we're talking about family and parenting on Mother's Day. I need a break from that. It's hard. I'm not doing this thing right. Sometimes the best way you can lead is not perfection, but repentance. Right? Luke chapter 3 says this, that we bear fruit. How? In keeping with repentance. Isn't that crazy? One of the best ways we can bear fruit is humbly admitting that we aren't fruitful. 
You know, one of the powerful, most powerful lessons I learned from my dad was when my wife and I were early on in our marriage and we went out to eat for dinner. And it was just my dad and my wife and I. And we're sitting at an olive garden. This may be TMI, I don't know. We went to Olive Garden, is that okay? Um, went to Olive Garden and um, I wasn't gonna share this much detail. Do I backtrack or do I share it? Okay, okay. why not? Yeah. And I, I was like, Dad, we should get, I was like 24, newly married. And I was like, Dad, we should get a glass of wine. My parents didn't drink growing up. I grew up in a, a different kind of household. It wasn't a thing at all. And we're not for drunkenness, whatever. Long conversation. That's why I was going to backtrack it. We'll talk later, right? But I was like, Dad, I just kind of flippantly was like, Dad, we should get a glass of wine. I think I was like trying to be cool. Like I'm newly married. Like I'm on my own family. Let's get a glass of wine. And my dad just was frustrated. And he was like, son, you're in seminary. You're going to be past. Like we, we don't do that. And it became this huge argument at Olive Garden with my dad. It was very awkward. It was the first time we ever experienced that as a married couple with one of our parents. It was a very awkward, tense moment. And we come home. It doesn't get resolved. And we're in downtown Dallas in a parking garage. And my dad just said, hey, Tim, can we go on a walk? And I was like, yeah. So we start going on a walk down this sloping parking garage. And my dad just apologized to me. And said, Tim, I'm so sorry. I, I, I was harsh with my words, my tone. And I didn't I didn't mean to do that. I just reacted instead of thinking through. And honestly, then we, we did talk about alcohol later and moderation versus drunkenness and, and different things like that, how Jesus turned water into wine and like, like you know, all those type of things. Um, and it was actually very beneficial from our relationship with my dad. That is one moment that if you talk to my wife about my dad, she talks about that moment above every other moment. Because she saw my dad, who was like 60 years old at the time, take me into a parking garage and repent and apologize to me. As we talk about leading our kids to Jesus, bearing fruit with our kids, some of the best ways we can do that is admit when we're not fruitful, is go to our kids, whether they're little, some of y'all are older parents, have kids who are out of the house, and this day is traumatic for you, this day is a day of mourning for you, because you think, I blew it, my kid doesn't want to talk with me, I blew it, I said too many things, I I yelled too many times, I I was too uh, much of a helicopter parent, and some of you that are older parents, you're thinking that one of the best ways you can lead your adult kid is go back and apologize, Send them a text today. Give them a phone call this week. One of the best way, parents of little kids, when you get tired and frustrated and you're at your end and you're just like, please get out, is go back and say, daddy's sorry. Mommy's sorry. I didn't mean to say it that way. I'm not perfect. Jesus is. You should follow him, right? One of the best ways you can lead your kids is not in perfection, but repentance. Amen? Hopefully that encourages you. I'm glad I shared that story, I think. We'll see if second service gets it. (laughs) Second thing, this looks like practically this way of imparting wisdom in our kids' lives is to watch over and protect, to set up boundaries. A lot of the book of Proverbs is warnings. Warnings against adultery, warnings about idolatry, warnings about greed with money. In fact, later on in this this passage, this chapter, this really just sets up these few verses, this whole conversation about the adulterous woman. It's talking about sex. And it warns against these things. And, And as parents and as people who have kids in our lives, we are charged not just to lead, but to watch over, to protect. We're charged to see the areas of life where they are vulnerable 
and to step in. Now, again, I have to say this to dads. I grew up as a kid in Texas. A lot of times this meant, especially if you had a daughter, a lot of times this meant is getting the shotgun or talking about how I'm gonna go get my shotgun. My daughter, right? Just side note, like free tip. Dads, if you say that, if you, if you think about doing that, here's what that does for your daughter. I have two daughters. That makes them start to think, if I tell you something about a boy, you are going to murder them. So I'm not gonna tell you because I don't want you to spend life in prison, dad, right? And so dads, to protect your kids, they don't need to see you with a shotgun. They need to see you with a Bible. They need to see you at church with your, your wife. They need to see you date your spouse. They need to see you when your daughter comes home and is a preteen and shares some crazy stuff. They need to see you not freak out. Take a deep breath, right? And just listen and fully engage. That's how you watch over. That's how you protect. This is what we're charged to do as, as moms, as dads, as this army, this church family. This is what we're charged to do, to lead, to watch over, to protect. You need to be encouraged today. Listen, I know parenting is hard, but God has placed you in this season with your kids, and it's not an accident. It's an appointment, Acts 17, 26 tells us that, that God has determined the times and the places where we would live. And some of you are looking at pandemic, polarization, politics, pronouns, and all the ways our culture is headed. And you're like, how do we do this? Social media, how do we navigate this? How do we know which way to go? And you need to be comforted today and be given confidence today and calmness today. God has placed you here. He's gone before you. He's your heavenly father. You're his kid. He's not left you hung out to dry. He's going to equip you. Even when it seems confusing, he's going to bring confidence in you. Psalm 139 isn't just true about your kids. It's true about you. He formed your most inward parts. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. Your frame is not hidden from him. 2021 Parenting your child, it's not hidden from him. It's not shocking to him. He's equipped you. He's placed you in your home. He's placed you in this church to on the way out, you don't have kids, but on the way out, just talk to a kid and be like, you're awesome. How's it going, buddy? Love you guys. He's placed you there to do that. He's appointed these times and places, Acts 17 says. Listen, one of my greatest joys as a parent is when somebody else, a godly person who's close to my family, when somebody else imparts wisdom to my kids, right? We can tell our kids something a thousand times, but a godly person who's close to us tells them the same thing, and they listen, don't they? I mean, studies show that. So even last weekend, I'm going to keep talking about my best friend from college, Marshall. He was here all weekend. He bought gifts for my kids, He played Simon Says with my kids. He played Tag with my kids. To be honest with you, it may be a little insecure. At the end of the weekend, the kids were like, Marshall, can you be our dad? No, they didn't say that. Uh, that They didn't say that. But he, I mean, he just, he he told my kids about Jesus. That brought great joy to my heart to see that happen. That's the opportunity that all of us have, right? This morning, as uh, we were getting up, getting ready to come to church, 
And my wife gets all the kids ready every, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> gets all the kids ready, even on Mother's Day, while I come to church early. And she showed me, hey, I got this voice message from Parker, this college student that goes to our church who's away for the summer. And she got this voice message from Parker that's like, hey, I just want to tell you you're a great mom. And I, I love you. I appreciate all that you do for your kids. But I also just want to tell you, you're like a spiritual mom to me. That was a great moment this morning to be reminded this, this church family watches over, leads, and don't miss the impact you can have in the kids that are around you, right? This is what we're called to do. It's a lasting impact that it has as we impart wisdom, as we lead, as we watch over, as we protect, as we take advantage of those moments to impart wisdom into our kids. The last thing, it's just to talk with. I love this. It's so simple. The first two are to lead. That's out in front. The second one, watch over. The last one, talk with. Right? The power of presence. Here's the secret to crushing parenthood. You want to know this? Get a pen ready. Write this down. Here's the secret to crushing parenthood. Be with your kids. Like, fully engage them when they're talking about Pokemon or Taylor Swift, true to life in my life. Just fully engage them. Dad, do you wanna know how to make a, an awesome impact on your kids, be the dad of the year? Cancel golf, play checkers with your kids. Parents as a whole, adults as a whole, you wanna know how to be the most awesome parent, crush it at parenting? Put down that device that's connected to you like an IV called your phone, rip it off, <laughs> set it down, and just fully engage with your kids. Right? Talk with your kids. Right? Every night, I've shared this before, every night I try to make sure I do this, even if I get home late, I sneak into my kid's room, even if they're kind of falling asleep, I, I grab them by the shoulder, I hug them, and I tell them three things. I tell them, I love you, I like you, because you can love somebody but not like them, Amen? Sometimes I love my kids, but I'm not sure if I like them. And at the end of the day, I just want to end the day saying, I love you, I like you, and I'm proud of you. And I just make sure I'm with them to end their day. Parents, we are charged to impart wisdom. Church family, we are in charge to impart wisdom to the kids in our lives. This is a little bit of what that looks like. Now, I think, again, as many of us hear that, we just start to think about, okay, Tim, that's great you say that to your kids. Like, I'm asleep before they are. <laughs> like, that's great that, that this happens and I can lead and watch over and protect, but, but I'm just trying to survive. And, and really, all I'm doing today is just thinking about all my failures with my kids. That, that parenting is amazing, but it's also revealing. And it often reveals the ways I don't measure up. And maybe some of you are there today. And here's what I would tell you, is as you look at the Bible, get this, you don't see any perfect parents in the Bible. You just look at our founding fathers. I think of Jacob. Jacob was later named Israel. The, the people of God were called Israel eventually. Jacob is, is named for the, the people of God, God's chosen people, this great founding father. He must have been a perfect father, right? No. Oh. Jacob breaks rule number one as a parent. He has a favorite, Joseph, right? 
He's one of our, the founding fathers of our faith, not just a father of his family. That's Jacob. Noah, thinking, my great father, built the ark. It was crafty, courageous. <laughs> Hadn't rained in a long time, but he builds this amazing ark. Everybody thinks he's crazy, but he gets his family and he rescues them in the moment of crisis. He is courageous. That's Noah. Must have been a perfect father, right? Did you keep reading after the flannel graph? Did you keep reading after the Sunday school story? Noah's kids see him naked and drunk in a tent. Noah. Think of Jesus' parents. One of my favorite stories about Jesus' parents is when they lose him at the temple. (laughs) And they left, and multiple hours later, they're like, oh, where's Jesus? (laughs) Jesus' parents. There's no perfect parents in the Bible. But guess what? There is a perfect father. I said at the beginning, not everybody's a parent in this room, but all of us are kids. Here's the message this Mother's Day is that you are a kid. Mom, you're a kid. 65 years old, dad, you're a kid. And you have a perfect dad in heaven who says you're chosen, not forsaken, and that he loves you right where you are, not a future version of you. Here's the key to parenting and investing and impacting the kids in our lives is embracing that. Embracing the perfect father's love for you. Like actually take hold of that. All your exhaustion, all your failures, all your words, all the things you thought about saying but didn't say to your kids, all the ways you feel like you don't measure up, Here's what today is about. Here's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. You are a kid who is loved by a father. That in Jesus Christ, he doesn't see your sin. He sees his sinless son. Amen? That's what we declare today. And as you embrace that, you start to extend that to your kids. And parenting starts to make a lot more sense, right? But it starts there. So that's when we get to sing. That's when we get to declare this. Wherever you are today, that's when we get to proclaim how deep the Father's love for us. That's what today is about. Let's celebrate that, amen? Let's celebrate that as we pray and as we sing. God in heaven, I thank you that you are our Father, that you are perfect. God, I know today is a day of mixed emotions for many. It's a day of celebration, a day of sorrow. That's a day maybe where some of us feel like we're crushing it in parenting. Some of us feel like not sure which way to go. But God, wherever we are, you say right now that you're our father and you love us. That in Jesus Christ, that we're your kids. We don't have to prove anything to you as a parent. We already have ultimate approval in Christ. God, I pray that that would just start to hit us in a new way this morning. That would, we would start to embrace that completely this morning. And as we embrace it, we would start to extend it to our kids. And I pray that in the name of Jesus.